When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There are places in this world where the shadows of souls gather. Camp Clarity is a place where the fabric of our reality is thin and crossing over from our dimension and another is easy. It was the multiple reports of apparitions and other sinister beings that brought me to the abandoned summer camp. The Colorado campground would serve as the last stop before I sat down and wrote haunted woods and small towns. All I had to do was spend a couple days on the lake and report on any paranormal activity I would find. After five novels, over 100 haunted houses, graveyards, and abandoned mental facilities, I have experienced very few genuine paranormal encounters. I have been the subject of many elaborate hoaxes, tourist attractions, and mechanical coincidences, and I have investigated my share of active sites only to find no proof of any beings beyond our world. On occasion, there has been a spike in the EMF meter or the voice of a disembodied soul caught on tape, but most often the circumstance is rigged, or there's a logical explanation behind the occurrence that is in fact not paranormal. After all these years, while I believe spirits actually exist, I have remained skeptical to the frequency of their presence in this realm. Publishing proves to pay very well, so when I have experienced a few unique encounters, I have more often than not catered reality to fit the needs of my audiences through my stories. People want ghosts to be real, they want it to be spooked, they want juicy, dark, and horrific. Readers eat that up, that and that alone. Of course, the truth about my writing has never been public until now. Of the few authentic encounters I've experienced, Late clarity truly terrified me to my bones and was incredibly unsettling. I urge anyone to stay far away from that lake and the ground surrounding it. This is a place which you couldn't pay me enough to return. The Rocky Mountains of Colorado are as beautiful as they are challenging to undertake. My rental struggled up the windy roads that inherently caked a layer of dirt on what was once a clean, metallic silver car. The air is thin as paper. My lungs are not accustomed to the work it takes to breathe at this elevation. As far as abandoned campgrounds go, 
It's exactly what you would expect. There was a wooden structure that held the likeness to a large barn uniquely labeled Mess Hall and a series of small cabins. There were two details that caught my attention as I pulled into the property. The camp's immaculate state, as if there had been children gathered here just yesterday. This was strange, as I thought the camp had been abandoned, but it must have had some caretaker, because in comparison to the photos I had seen, the cabins looked like they had received a serious dose of maintenance. The cabins were clean, painted, and pleasant-looking in comparison to the tattered state that had not been long ago. In the center of the sandlot, between cabins, stood a large totem pole. In fact, the only thing that looked like it didn't have a fresh cone of paint was the indigenous art. Most of its paint had worn off, leaving the intricate carvings bare, save for bright red paint that remained covering the eagle's beak atop the tower and the wolf's eyes which matched the hue of the lake. I did preliminary research on the camp, as I always do before visiting any site. I often find research to be my favorite part of the writing process, as it creates an expectation of what I shall experience on the visits. As Albert Zet Georgie once said, Research is to see what everybody else had seen, and to think what nobody else has thought. It became my ritual after my second book, Under the Floorboards and Beyond the Walls, to write a hypothesis on what a hoax I might encounter. It's a delight to use my research and intuition of human instinct to conclude why a site may lack authenticity, as I am often correct. My research informed that the summer camp received its name from the lake which it settled next to. Another very original name. I suppose people weren't very creative back in the 60s. But true to its name, Lake Clarity is as clear as it gets. Standing on the camp dock, I was almost able to see the bottom of the lake. Perhaps this horror hunt would turn into a vacation. I had also learned that the summer camp had closed down on July 24th, 1972. When planning my site tour, I intended to arrive at Camp Clarity 30 years to the day of the camp's closing in hopes this anniversary would stir something exciting. A most intriguing detail that came upon my research is that no story really paired up. Each encounter was unique. I learned that in the 10-mile radius surrounding Camp Clarity, 22 people had gone missing. Now, statistically speaking, it's not too surprising for people to occasionally go missing in the woods. It happens, unfortunately. But there was a surprisingly large number of people who've gone missing in this area dating all the way back to the 60s. The first disappearance was a man named Frank Serrano. He was a hitchhiker and stopped in the nearby woods to camp for the night. Frank was not found. In fact, the only trace of him was the camp he had set up. Rangers had reported to the local police that they found Frank's campsite just a little ways off the county road, and all of his possessions were discarded and his small tent had been shredded open from the inside. Officers, however, did not find any trace of blood, animal tracks, or even a struggle, aside from the ripped tent. To this day, the Serrano case has yet to be solved. As nice as the cabins looked, I set up my tent in the middle of the campgrounds, with cabins on either side of me, and the mess hall casting its shadow over my tent. I thought this open and central space would be ideal for witnessing strange activity. 
Before I settled in for the night, I had set up my equipment. I placed EMF meters throughout the camp, one in the mess hall, one in a cabin, and one alongside a thermal camera that was facing my tent. If they picked up anything out of the ordinary, there would be record of it. After I completed the tedious task of setting up the equipment, I was able to grab a lawn chair, frosted beer, and sit upon the shore of Lake Clarity and witness the majesty of the dreamsicle sky. The lake mirrored the world around me, the silhouette trees framing a beautiful, fluid image I wish could be recreated in a painting. The only alteration in this picture was a sturdy, aged, wooden barge floating at the center of the lake. The pallet-like structure was in desperate need for a whitewashing. The evening was peaceful, and I started an intimate fire once the sun had escaped my view. I took a stroll through the camp and found nothing off-putting. I thought to myself, you're really going to have to play this one up, Dylan. It was time to turn in, and I drifted off into a weighty slumber. Exhaustion had done me in from the previous days of air travel and the long drive up from my hotel in Denver to the camp. At 2 a.m., I shot straight up out of my sleeping bag. Alert and loud screeching filled my ears. Heart racing, I blinked the sand out of my eyes and stripped my sleeping bag away from my body as quickly as possible. What the hell's going on? The screams sounded as if a nursery of babies were crying. I reached for my flashlight and unzipped the tent. That's when I saw it. A deer was standing less than ten feet away, mewing at the top of its lungs. I shined my light on it, and it turned and ran off to the woods. I felt embarrassed for being so excited and so frightened from the deer's high pitch. I was awake and decided to quickly check the EMFs and thermal monitor. I turned my laptop on and quickly scrolled through the audio files. Nothing but some background noise. Then I looked at the video feed for the thermal camera and saw more of the same. Nothing. I shut the laptop, closed my trunk, and walked back to the tent. Just as I was getting settled into my sleeping bag, I heard a rustling. If this is another damn deer, I muttered to myself. I listened closely. Then the rustling stopped. Everything was silent for a moment. Almost too silent. And then I heard footsteps outside my tent growing closer. I froze. This was it. Somebody had come to scare me away. Put me through the ringer. I have not been fooled so easily. But meeting the perpetrator always made me a little uneasy. Then a few feet away, the footsteps stopped. It was then that the thought crossed my mind that perhaps there are so many missing people reports because of someone rather than something. Maybe a serial killer had been out here the entire time? I laid down in my sleeping bag, with my breath held, listening for the next move, listening for whatever was out there to take another step closer. But it didn't. I listened for what must have been an hour, and nothing moved. I began doubting myself, and worried that I hadn't heard anything at all. Had my ears been playing tricks on me? It was then that I started to drift into sleep. Just as I had fell asleep... I heard a loud thud, as if a heavy door had just been slammed shut. My eyes sprung open. I wasn't entirely sure what I heard. I started to sit up slowly and stretched my arms out. My right hand pressed against the wall of the tent, and I felt the cool fabric stretch under my palm. Then, 
I felt a warm palm press against mine from outside the tent. I quickly recoiled, clutching my hand against my chest, and I looked up to the wall of my small tent. Slowly, I saw the silhouette of a hand take shape, then another silhouetted hand appeared, pressing against my tent's fabric, then another and another, until shadowy palms were all across the tent walls. This can't be happening. The sound of my voice seemed to scare some of the hands away, as a few retreated from the wall, only to slowly fade back into view a moment later. I wasn't going to sit idly by anymore. I grabbed my flashlight and started swinging it around, striking the palms of the hands. Quickly the hands all retreated, and I unzipped and sprang out of my tent. I wanted to watch a glimpse of the perpetrators. I shouted, What do you want from me? As I had assumed there was another hoax, and found no one. I turned on my flashlight and I shined it. I saw no one anywhere, and my heart dropped. Then my beam landed on the silhouette of someone, and adrenaline pumped through my veins. Hey! I shouted, intending to confront at least one of the perpetrators. The figure remained motionless. I started walking towards them, stopping only to pick up my thermal camera, which had apparently fallen over, and shouted again. What the hell are you doing out here? Can't you hear me? The silhouette remained unfazed. As I grew closer, it slowly began to turn. I shined my light on the shape and realized the figure was transparent, but somehow emitted darkness. I stopped cold in my tracks and looked at the figure's face. Two blazing red eyes beamed at me. In unison, a collection of voices said, I stepped backwards quickly, trying to retreat, and then dropped my flashlight. I grasped for it when I realized that the silhouettes were surrounding me. They had formed a circle, and I held their full attention, a pair of piercing red eyes from each figure directed at me. I wish I could tell you that I awoke at this point in the story, drenched in sweat, relieved to be free of the nightmare, but that was not the case. Everything around me was in fact real, and although I couldn't believe my eyes, I knew I had to act fast. I pushed through the silhouettes with an odd sensation of resistance and lost my breath, gasping for air. I sprinted towards the dock. The moment my bare feet hit the wood, I could feel splinters entering the padding of my foot, though I didn't stop. I couldn't. I ran to the end of the dock, then jumped into the lake. It seemed like the best way to escape the shadows. My body hit the frigid water, so uncharacteristic for the season, and I was momentarily stunned. I pushed myself to the top of the water for air. I needed to breathe. I was beginning to feel lightheaded. As I broke the surface, I inhaled. I quickly reoriented myself and swam to the barge as quickly as I could. I turned to look back at the dock to see if the figures were following me, but I saw nothing. Where had the shadows gone? Just as I reached the barge and put a hand on it, I felt something brush against my ankle. I flinched away and clambered up the barge. Panting, I fell onto my back. As I lay there, I tried to comprehend what I had just experienced. Then the barge began to move. I shot up frantically, searching around me. I caught black fingers slip through the slates. They were pulling the wood under. I stood up and searched around me. All was a dark fog beneath the barge, pulling me under. I stepped in the edge of the barge and allowed myself a running start, in hopes I could jump beyond the reaches of the black water. It was the only thing I could think to do. I began swimming back towards the dock, but I now felt like I was swimming through molasses. Then I felt a firm and steady pull on my ankle, and under I went. 
I thrashed through the water, but could not resurface, and slowly lost consciousness. I don't remember what happened next, but when I woke up, I was sprawled across the barge. A forest ranger was standing on the dock calling out to me. The sun seemed to hang in the middle of the sky. How long had I been asleep? My body felt weighted, and it took all the strength I could muster to sit up. I was only up for a moment before my head quickly fell back into the wood. The ranger yelled that they were going to get me some help, and I fell back to sleep. I took a long break from writing after that. I did not want to confront the events of that evening. In fact, I wasn't even going to finish the book. I did, however, because I needed the money. But I omitted the story of Lake Clarity. I've gone back and listened the evening recording, looking at the charts so many times. I listened to it over and over and over again. It was about two months ago that I listened to the collective voice again, and I finally realized what disturbed me so greatly. My voice was part of the collective. I had been to Lake Clarity before. Hey everyone, it's Pacific. I have a few quick announcements before I get into this week's credits. First, next week we'll be back with episode 6, in which the teens return. Second, Lake Clarity is now a part of the Fate Crafters Studios Network. We're very happy to be a part of the network, as we're joining other top-notch podcasts such as Subject Found, Spines, The Tunnels, and many more. And with that said, we'd like to recommend that you try out one of our favorite shows from the Fate Crafters Studio Network, Audio Oblivious Productions. Audio Oblivious Productions is a wonderful variety show bringing new, unique content every month. Whether it is the Winnebago Warrior, Video Game World News, or something totally different, like the recently aired Shadow of Leavenhorn. If you're interested in fantasy, Shadow of Leavenhorn is for you. It follows a hunter, Garen, as he tracks down a beast that has been terrorizing the town. Truly, it is a must-listen. I can't recommend it highly enough. And with that, I bring you to this week's credits. You heard the voice of Toby Yunt as Don Parker. This episode was written and directed by Larissa Fleming and Pacific Obadiah, and edited by Pacific Obadiah. Our music was created by It's Teeth. You can find them at itsteeth.net and on Bandcamp or Spotify. This show was created by Midnight Disease Productions, with help from Met Media. We have acquired many of our sound effects from freesound.org. You can find a full list of credits online at lakeclarity.com. And if you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating or stop by and say hi. You can find us on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, or Instagram. You'll hear from us next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.